Welcome to the official podcast of 4 We have the power. I'm your host, AJ, a.k.a. Voodoo Magic, a.k.a. Zoar. And today's episode is titled Enter the Masterverse, a title apropos because today, February 15th, is the day when the first issue of the new four-issue anthology comic series, Masterverse, from Dark Horse Comics, hits comic book shelves and digital platforms everywhere. And today we're going to discuss this new comic's genesis, followed by the contents of issue one. And don't you fret, we'll give you a spoiler warning before we do. And who better to discuss this with than the fantastic writer himself, the guru behind this very Masters of the Universe new anthology series, comic writer and artist great Tim Seeley. Tim, welcome and thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And I'm going to ask you to allow me to set the scene first for anyone who is a Masters of the Universe fan who maybe uh, watches the shows and the movie, but doesn't necessarily collect the figures or read the comics yet and underlying yet. So this podcast is accessible to everyone. So back in 2020, Mattel announced a new collectible action figure series titled Masterverse with the tagline, The Evolution of He-Man. And the figures were promised to have this like state-of-the-art aspects, like articulation. And the first wave of figures were slated to debut the summer of 2021, which it did. And now there's currently over 50 figures to collect. Now, last year, Mattel introduced a new subline of Master, uh, Masterverse figures called New Eternia that were figures based on original but rejected Mattel concept art by artists like the late great Mark Taylor, like his barbarian slash Viking He-Man, for instance. And those original designs are now being brought back to life as new Masterverse figures with additional new interpretations and changes to the design, as well as different bios and different lore. Like Jitsu, uh, he was a bad guy, and now he's a good guy. So fast forward now to September 13th, 2022, in the midst of Mattel celebrating He-Man's 40th anniversary via their uh, Mo Tuesday social media campaign, Mattel dropped an exciting bombshell. They announced to the world that new Eternia comics were coming soon from Dark Horse. And they dropped some page art uh, featuring Barbarian slash Viking He-Man and Skeletor, also Sorceress, Zodak, Stratus, and more. And it was very exciting news. So, Tim, let's start there. Uh, did you know Mattel was going to excitingly announce this comic series that day and in that way? Or was it? even a surprise to you? Oh, no, it wasn't a surprise to me. Uh, I've been working on this since 20, I mean, maybe late 2020, I guess, probably somewhere around there. Um, it, a lot, you know, the schedule on this was impacted by COVID and print schedules are very messed up. And, and Mattel was dealing with shipping problems. So uh, the plan for this comic was a bit earlier. But um, instead, we just used that time to get what we wanted. We 
we're able to, you know, get artists that might have not been able to do it before. Um, but uh, no, I've been waiting for you guys to get this book. It, it was killing me because uh, I've been working on it for so long uh, that, you know, and, and I knew all the cool stuff and I knew who was going to be in it. And I knew we had Sergio Argonis and I knew we had Kelly Jones and I knew we were working with Eddie uh, Nunes, the designer of Revelations. And uh, I couldn't say anything and it really bothered me. So I'm glad it's finally out. Was it supposed to uh, time? Was the release of the comics supposed to be timed with the new Eternia Masterverse figures? I mean, again, when all things were meant to be timed is, you know, I don't know exactly uh, just that things have been kind of chaotic because of shipping, because of things through, you know, printing. And, and it's just all kind of been a little messy. So, you know, whatever the initial plan uh, has been definitely sort of moved around. And obviously part of it was, we, you know, once uh, the plan got going, then it was like, well, let's wait for revolutions and let's, you know, there was a lot of sort of uh, considerations to be had, but uh, I've definitely had this comic done for a while and I'm definitely excited that you get to read it finally. So during this announcement, they interested, interestingly called it New Eternia and they didn't call it Masterverse Comics. So why do you think Mattel announced it this way? Was New Eternia possibly the original title? Yeah, I think so. I you know, the, the way that the um, plan, I think, for the release of the toys and what they would be called as far as, um, you know, the, the Masterverse logo, would that include would that be on all of these new toys? Um, or would it just be like a separate thing? And I, I think eventually the, the choice was made that, you know, this Masterverse logo is going on, you know, the Revelation figures of this size and the Sunman and the, you know, uh, alternate sort of He-Mans and all that stuff. So it made sense to go with... Uh, you know, just a Masterverse logo for it. Even though, I guess, spiritually, it's it's sort of the new Eternia characters. It's the ones that are, um, you know, like, I don't know, reimaginings, um, you know, alternate universe, if you want to call that sort of version of it. Uh, so that, you know, I, I think in the end, uh, it made sense to go with the thing that you were seeing at the store first, right? You were seeing Masterverse, and, and it, it says new Eternia on the bottom, but um, they were just, you know, over the course of, the production of these there was just conversations of what's the best marketing what's the best logo what's the best name and you know for us it was always like hey whatever you want to call it man we'll, we'll have to do it we don't care so it was a, okay so it was a change this was wondering because it was strange i was first like drumming this uh new attorney comic book and i couldn't wait and then when they announced masterverse i'm like wait a minute yeah. did i just imagine that mattel called a new attorney so okay so that makes sense um so whose idea was this? Like whose brainchild were these Masterverse comics? Did it come from you or Dark Horse? Did it come from maybe Rob at Rob, Mattel? Oh, Rob, Rob David, it was Rob. This is Rob's idea from the get-go. Uh, when they um, the license moved over to Dark Horse, I think this was the first thing that Rob hit the ground with was, hey, Dark Horse has got this amazing level of talent, the stable of creators they work for, work with, you know, uh, Obviously, Sergio Argonis publishes Gru there, and Kelly publishes The Hammer there. And, and they had all these contacts that uh, Rob was like, these are dream creators to get on Master of the Universe. So um, he was the one that that came to me about it uh, and said, hey, I want to do this thing. Here's kind of a plan. Uh, and, you know, obviously, I have a relationship with Mattel, and I also have a long relationship with Dark Horse going back a whole lot of years, probably 16 years, I think so. Um, so was it was it just a sort of natural and easy thing for us to say, well, let's you know do this together. 
uh, and Rob and I kind of pitched back and forth how we would play this. Um, the idea for the framework, which was going to be you know set in the Revelation, uh, Revelation universe, Revolution, and sort of be a take on the biblical sort of you know Book of Job, where the God kind of you know Satan and the devil in the Bible, obviously, and in our story, uh, sorceress and Zodak kind of have this conversation about should should He-Man be allowed to, to live, to, to be He-Man in this universe, because he tips potentially tips the balance, uh, and Zodak is the caretaker of the balance. You know, you said the... Actually, I'm going to bench this, but you said the book, book of Job, which is interesting. But, um, okay, I'm just going to uh, table that just for a second as I get through the rest of this uh, Genesis, and I'm excited to talk about that. Um, in regards to... Uh, well, Tim Sheridan, right? He did the Masters of the Universe Revelation prequel comics. Yep. And some of those comics actually came boxed with some Masterverse figures. It was the, um, I was the designer, what was his name? Virgil uh, Abloh uh, collection. Had you yeah. seen those, those figures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. very cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they are cool. And he was like an American fashion designer. I think he died of a rare cancer um, recently. Uh God rest his soul. But um, so did did Mattel consider packaging like a mini form of this comic at all with any Masterverse figures? I mean, it's always it's always considered. I think uh, it, it's maybe it's possible. I think like I explained how messy everything is <laughs> has been <laughs> since uh, sort of the pandemic. So, you know, maybe that's a consideration um, why it's not in there at, at the moment. But um it's possible. I mean, that's a cool idea, and it certainly makes sense. You know, I got into comics because of the comics packaged into the Master Universe figure. So, anytime a Master Universe figure comes with uh, a comic, and especially one that I did, it it's, it makes my day. So, it'd be very cool. When you say you got into comics, what, do you mean as a comic creator or just a, even a reader? I, I mean, I guess both. But okay. uh, as a reader, I was five when I got my first. Uh, it was my fifth birthday. Um, I got my first Master Universe figures. I guess it was my sixth birthday. If I actually do the math, I was five, turning six. I got the uh, uh, the set. It had He Man and Battle Cat, and it came with a comic in it. Yeah, uh, and that I had seen comics before, but I was obsessed with the comic uh, that came with it. And I read it till it fell apart, and you know, then the then the after that, my my parents noticed my uh, my it, it took kept me busy for a bit, so. Then they were like, well, would you like to try some other comics? And then I discovered, you know, Spider-Man and Superman and Batman. Um, so it was the entry point for me for the entire medium as, as a fan and a, and eventually a creator. You know, you, you're better than me. When I was a kid and I got those mini comics, it just got in my way with playing with the toys. You know, <laughs> I was like, and it wasn't the traditional comic. You know, you had the great picture, but then you had a lot of reading to do underneath, right? <laughs> I feel like maybe that's the case with a lot of Mass Shooters fans because they do seem like they're more plastic focused. I never was. I, I, I love the toys. I mean, they're the first thing I love about it, but you know, I'm a, I think I'm a comics guy first. And so the, those comics were really impactful for me, I think, you know, and it really sort of, I, I mean, I, and maybe you're like myself as well. I was of the age to be like, you know, the cartoon was available and I, I had seen it and uh, then there was a comic and, and it was interesting to me that they weren't the same, right? Like I was always fascinated mm -hmm. that as a kid, and I was kind of like, and it's I, it's sort of 
burned in my brain. I really liked that. It was there was alternate takes on things, um, you know, and, and that there wasn't this sort of hard shared continuity, which, you know, which kind of the thing Rob and I talked about. Well, that's kind of the fun of Master of the Universe that it used to be sort of, you know, loosey goosey on the continuity. And, and it, you could kind of just like it was really about you. Right. You were a kid. You get to choose what the what the story is. If you want, you know, to spend if Hordak is your good guy. Well, there you go. Uh, he's cool. You like how he looks. There you go. Have fun. Uh, it's really about your input as well. So, you know, th there was this openness to interpretation, which was something we felt like, well, we can bring that back in Masterverse. We can have this be, you know, uh, here's a more sort of barbarian take and here's a more science fiction take and here's a more, you know, comedic take or whatever. And it didn't matter because there, that was that's all possible with these things. That's, that's always been the, the point is that kind of everything is possible. They're beautiful objects. They're cool little toys. They are appealing to you for different reasons and they are sky's the limit as far as imagination goes you know to your point tim uh, i think it was hmm, a couple of years where i was convinced as a child that uh, many faces was a bad guy right yeah. no one can have that green monster face yeah and be a good guy so he was a villain on my floor and he once took over like he 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 um challenged skeletor and took over the evil warriors you know yeah, yeah. And, it, and then one day i caught that filmation cartoon and he's a good guy and i'm like what right. yeah <laughs> that isn't right but uh so yeah to your point um it was really you know and that was the it almost it's lightning in a bottle but um you can never imagine like toys being released now with without you know, instructions on how to play, you know, these are the bad guys. These are the good guys, you know, who does the castle belong to, you know, and uh, it yeah, is. Which is part of it is the now toys are part of an IP, you know, and so, yeah. right. It's sort of a brand and you have to kind of protect it to some degree, um, you know, and so that's a big part of, I think, all current versions of stuff aimed at kids is it, it's very considered, which, you know, I get it. But there is, there was something raw and fun about that. And I, I think it's kind of, as a kid and you're trying to rationalize in your mind why these things aren't quite the same. Why was he just a barbarian from the hills in the mini comic, the first, or the mini storybook, in the, you know, the Don Glute and Alfredo Collins. ones. And then he was a prince in the DC comics, but he had a blue sweater. And then he was, and it's and in the end, you're just kind of like, you as a kid, you could figure out that these were just, oh, that's a story. And if you figured that out, then you were probably better off mentally, healthy wise to a lot of people who just can't handle, oh, my God, it doesn't line up, you know, oh, yeah, yeah it was possible. I can't accept a different interpretation, you know, whatever. And, and I think it set me up for life to be just like, I don't know, it's a story, you know, it's like, <laughs> and there are different people perhaps telling the story. I don't know. Who gives a shit? So, that's uh, yeah, that's true. There's other like uh, fan IPs, brands where there's just message boards with arguments back and forth. What's the correct continuity? You yeah. know, what's the correct canon? And that's what's marvelous about Masters of the Universe, that there really is no correct canon. Right. It, it's the it's what you want it to be. And um, and, and that's what, you know, plays into this comic and plays into these uh, new attorney of figures, which I wanted to ask you. Um, so the bios of the uh, these new Eternia Masterverse figures um, gave us like quite a different take on the classic characters. You know, prior to Masterverse uh, comic launch, uh, you know, Beastman is a is a shaman looking for his tribe. You know, yeah. after defeating a bear demon, and Skeletor is a madman trying to forge a scimitar and. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
And uh, well, as I mentioned before, Jitsu is no longer an evil of master or evil master of martial arts. He's just a master of martial arts. Yeah, yeah. He's a mercenary, right? That's right. And and Manny Faces, which just came out, I love this one that his mind is actually shattered into different beings with different agendas. You know, like the movie uh, Split. If you ever saw that with actor James McAvoy. Yeah, absolutely. And now he has all these like competing identities in his head and I just love it. And um, so I wanted to ask you, these bios, I believe, were credited to be written by Robert Rudman over at Mattel. Mm -hmm. So did you work with Robert at all? And uh, I guess how close does your comics adhere to those bios? Um, Yes, I worked with Robert. He's amazing. Uh, He came up with a, a lot of the, you know, the sort of, takes and then uh, once we start working on the comic you know uh there's a lot of figures and yeah. so we started just talking back and forth and and you know it robert's and i our job was if he had an idea that i could incorporate or if i had idea he could incorporate uh we kind of split the differences so you know um the the pitch that i had for the jitsu story uh involved well i don't want to ruin it but it does involve him sort of being a good guy uh, but in, it gives him a different sort of approach it takes place in a slightly different world uh and there's a reason for his, his uh i guess his you know heel turn or whatever his hero turn um but they they were like great we can use that that's that's fun and then uh you know the many faces one is all uh is all robert and so we're like okay we can use elements of that um I'm trying to think of the other ones um you know i think in regards to jitsu um that was actually spoiled for us early because when mattel announced the um the new attorney of comic line they were featuring art where it was like battle armor he-man and jitsu working together right yeah. or battle armor yeah. he-man was saving jitsu or something like that from yeah the, they're trapped uh, on a sinking ship together essentially so they y- yeah so and then you throw in that bio where he's no longer evil anymore and we're like oh wow this is wild you know yeah i think uh, part of it you know the, we wanted, and that was the thing, you know, Robert and Rob and I talked about is like, well, let's let it be kind of, you know, there can be little incongruities, there can be different interpretations of that story. It just keeps it fun, you know? And for me, you know, uh, that I have any input or any sort of, uh, you know, working with a writer like Robert to create these things that appear on the figure is so cool to me. That is so, you know, that's like, like, I mean, I could probably retire now and I'd be mostly happy except for not having enough save, you know? Uh, but you know, so and I know what they're working on. They send me the uh, the bios that they're working on, and uh, it, which is it's just so cool. And you know, I know when to sort of stand out of the way and be like, "That is an awesome idea. Go with it." And I know would be like, "Oh, we can use that in a comic, or we could. What about if we did this? Because that would work great in a comic story. Uh, we can tie these characters together." You know, it's I, again. I, that's what I love about Mass Shooters. I love that about Mattel. Is they're sort of uh, they are aware. Like, look, they're toys. They're toys, and they should be toys first. And the story that's associated with them, as long as it unlocks something in your imagination, let's do it. I, I think that's a fantastic way to do things. Yeah. You know what unlocked a lot of people's imagination? Um, did you happen to see the the Masterverse packaging artwork for the new Eternia Beast Man? And on the back of that Beast Man, for the first time, we got to see a beast woman. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And um, 
people, fans were so excited about this. I don't know if you saw this, that Nate actually, Nate Barsh actually did a new piece of art that wasn't, I guess, commissioned by Mattel. And he used um, Raquel Welch, like from that famous 10,000 BC poster, you know, in her like cave bikini and did this, this beast woman. And it looked fantastic. And everyone was like, please make this a figure, please put this in a comic. So um, I guess that would be spoiler if I asked, but was that ever a discussion? Or I mean, we were too far past by that time. Okay, I love okay. the design, and Nate Barch is an amazing artist. I love his work. Oh uh, yeah. But that's the thing is, like you know, again, like I said, we started these quite a while ago. So yeah, so comics, and and in part that is because of you know how the schedule is screwed up. It's also because comics take a while to make sometimes, especially with some of the creators that we were waiting to commission. So um, that is awesome, and I I love the design. Um, you know, especially the nice. Uh, uh, one million years BC reference, which always makes me happy because I love that stupid movie. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I would love we. That's the thing is we, we have so much more we can do. That the the hardest part about this was only doing eight story, you know. I guess nine, yeah. the the framework, that was the hardest part. What you know, I mean, we could have, you know, come up with so much more stuff. And and part of the thing that Rob and I were working towards was like, well, let's have each issue sort of have a thematic bridge to some degree because. They are part of an overall story. This is, you know, this kind of framework has, it, it is a plot. It's not just like a, you know, Crypt Keeper thing where he's like, hey, kiddies, enjoy this. And then just disappears for the whole thing. It, it is a plot. And so um, so we try to figure out like, okay, th so this is, you know, uh, the good that He-Man has done. Here is the sort of possible versions of the story where there could be, you know, people who it, it affected when He-Man wasn't there. And here's alternate versions, and here is, you know, uh, which it gave us all these sort of um, like goal points. Like when we get to this one, we got to do, you know, uh, a, a, a group of characters affected by He-Man that want to do something good because of him. And here we got to do, you know, uh, someone who is affected because the world has lost He-Man Skeletor, and how do they deal with this? And um, so it it allowed us to do something sort of expansive, but also limited in some ways for each issue, which I think really helped us. Um, but yeah, man, if I could put that Beast Woman in a story, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so were you given like a required checklist at all of Masterverse characters that had to appear in these comics? No. Uh, they gave me a um, uh, a sheet that had a design, it had like very um, specific designs for like the first two waves. And then it had these sort of like much looser designs for waves that came after that, uh, which is fascinating to me because uh, now they've all come out. <laughs> like all the ones I saw way back when, when I was like, oh man, they're going to do Frosta and they're going to do all this stuff. And uh, and I couldn't say anything. And it was, you know, um, but we basically, we've got through all the ones I had seen. And so my job was just like, okay, what can we do with these? And I think the only sort of require ones to do was they just, I think the Battle Armor He-Man had just come out and um, Viking He-Man. So it was like, can we do something with these two? And then otherwise it was pretty much, you know, I could pick whoever. Um, and so, you know, I saw elements of designs. I was like, we got to do something with this. We got to do something with this. But uh, it was it was amazingly flexible. Um, and it wasn't, I mean, at no point where we feel like, well, it has to be an advertisement for this wave, you know, in part because we just didn't know when things were going to hit. Uh, but also because we're like, you know, 
it's just supposed to get you excited for He-Man. That's that's the that's the goal. Right. So since this comic was delayed, and I'm gonna just ask you generally speaking, you know, not asking specifics, are there any generally any characters in your comics that are on their way to becoming plastic? Not necessarily Masterverse figures yet, but you know, on their way without yeah. mm -hmm. yes. okay. Yes, awesome. yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh yeah, later, I think later in the series, at least there's a couple that are in the planning at least so yeah wow so in well we know your comic series right already dabbles in two of the figures yeah. sublines it's uh revelation and new internia so is there any chance masterverse comics can also expand into stories featuring more sublines like the princess of power or rulers of the sun or does licensing restrict that it's a good question. We we talked about it, um, and I I don't think there's a lot of restrictions on Prince's power or anything like that. Um, oh. You know, I, as I understand it, and again, I don't know. I'm not the the sort of the legalist part of this. Right. The only stuff that is kind of its own specific line would probably be the Shira line that is based on the Netflix cartoon. So I don't think there's any sort of restrictions on on the other stuff. Um, and you, you know, if we can do more of this. Yeah, let's get all that stuff in there. You know, absolutely. Let's let's do let's not leave any toy on the shelf. Let's drop them all on the floor and slam them together and make something awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. So, do you collect Masterverse figures at all? I do. Uh, yes, I. I mean, uh, I have a well. I could go into the laments of my. Uh, <laughs> Masterverse. Go for it. Go for it. I, if you want, I do the I do the vintage stuff, and I I have okay. been doing that for about twenty three years or so. Um, and I have everything except for a couple of the European releases. I have, you know, Megator and stuff. I've got a pretty good solid vintage collection. And then I also do the 2000X figures. I have all of them. Uh, and uh, and then I, I had been collecting all the classics, but I, there was too many. And at a certain point, I didn't have room. <laughs> so, so I sold them all. Uh, and I uh, used that money to... Uh, start buying Masterverse figures. So it just didn't, it didn't go. My room was not saved. And um, but yeah, I do. I love the Masterverse figures. Uh, the ones I um, have been picking up. I there's certain characters I just pick up no matter what they're in. And yeah. in this, there's some of those designs are so good. Um, I just picked up on Saturday. I was shopping. I picked up movie Skeletor. Mm. Uh, I, That's know, a good I love one. The '87 movie. It's one of my favorite things on earth. Um, and so I had to have that one. And uh, yeah, I got him somewhere uh, back here. Yeah, he's beautiful. And I picked up the uh, 40th anniversary He Man that was so good. It's like the original packaging. Yeah. And then I always buy, if I see them, like there's characters I just always buy no matter what they are in. And there's, I have all the Tilos that they've done. She's one that I always buy. I always buy Evil Lynn. So I have like four Evil Lynn's uh, mm. this line. And then I, ha I always buy Faker, Zodak, Flawful, and Stinkor. Always. So the I figure Zodak, Clawful, Stinkor. Wow. I haven't Clawful yet. He didn't come out in Masterverse yet, but no. Uh, no. But those are the ones I buy in any version, and I, you know, who knows what childhood thing in my head turned me into buying just those. But but I have been, yeah, I've been picking stuff up. Um, I love the Revelations ones. Yeah. Uh, Revelation Tila is one of my favorites. Do you have a favorite out of the entire Masterverse line? So far? Yeah. Uh, just yeah, um, I mean, 
I, that 40th anniversary He-Man one, the you know, it's yeah. got, that's on my shelf back there somewhere. It's so good. It's such a cool year. The sculpt is so good. They really accurately sort of scaled up the the old the classic figure, vintage figure, into this masterverse articulation and stuff. That's so cool. Packaging is so cool. Uh, I love him. He's the greatest. Uh, the best one I've seen, where I just can't believe it exists, it's so beautiful, is too bad. Yeah, uh, it was an incredible piece of plastic. The sculpt is so good. That the stuff they added to him is so good. Uh, I, you know, I think you get better than the uh, the two thousand X. Uh, too bad. Which yeah, yeah. They and they emulated the concept art, you know, and um, they even gave him the earring and. Uh, yeah. they, uh, and yeah, the pieces just, are so cool, and it's just yeah, it's such a nice figure. Yeah, I love that one. I love uh, New Tourney of Beast Man. He's wow, great. Yeah, yeah. And Beast Man was one of the ones right away when I saw that design. I was like, we got to put this guy in a story, and we kind of talked about like it kind of could be his story to some degree. Um, and you know, the, to, to me, when I saw the concept art for it, it, the thing he's wearing looks like the monster that He Man's fighting in the original mini comic. You know, the one where he pushing his jaw, whatever the Alfredo Alcala design. So, mm. uh, so I made sure to incorporate that into the, the story when we, because uh, he's in issue two, I believe. Three? Two or three. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, Shaman Beastman gets a story alongside Tila. So, so that's a little sneak peek then. There that's you go. Awesome. Yeah. Three, I think so. Now, um, you know, I'd be uh, remiss in my duties if I didn't mention to the audience that um, if, in case you didn't know, Tim brought fans um, awesome Masters of the Universe content before, like uh, Injustice versus Masters of the Universe and Masters of the Multiverse. And even if you're not a reader of comics yet, and again, we're going to underline yet, um, if you're a Motu fan, you may still have uh, one of his books at your home. You know, Tim is responsible for the Dark Horse book, The Art of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And if I recall correctly, I remember reading that, um, you know, you, well, this was, I think, your, your, your favorite IP of all time. Do I get, do I have that correctly? So when you're working on these projects, are you like, do you pinch yourself and say, man, am I living the dream or what? I, I do. Mean, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, how could I not? I mean, I'm a kid from, you know, I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin. Uh, I'm just some guy, you know, I don't. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I was a He-Man fan from when I first saw, you know, I got that character when I was, you know, six years old, five years old, whatever. And to be you know, someone who is trusted by Mattel to work on this stuff for almost like, what, 12 years at this point uh, is insane to me. It's completely insane. And I, you know, I know I'm lucky. I, you know, I, uh, I know I worked hard for it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy to me. It is crazy. And, you know, when I first started working in comics, uh, one of my, I worked at Devil's Due Publishing and we had a license for G.I. Joe. And so we actually, we pitched Mattel to do Masters of the Universe comics, but we didn't know that there was going to be a cartoon. We didn't know about the Mike Young Productions cartoon. We didn't know any of that stuff. So I'd done a bunch of designs for a new He-Man. And so I'm, I was like 22, 23, somewhere in there. And I was designing all this stuff. And, you know, I was like, oh, we're going to get He-Man. And then we found out some punk named Val Staples got it. And it was going to be So, you know, at that point, I was sort of like, I remember being kind of bummed out about it. 
you know, because we were working on Voltron and we were working on Evil Dead, all the stuff I loved. And I was kind of like, you know what? Maybe I should just have one thing that I love and I don't work on because, you know, maybe it'd be nice to have a hobby. Like, and one of the things, one of the reasons, right about that time, I started buying Mass Universe figures again. I was like, I need to have a hobby that is not comics because this is my day job. And, I, you know, I, I got to have something else in my life, you know, and instead of like picking up fucking skeet shooting or basketball, I picked up Mass Universe. And so, so my my plan then wasn't you know I wasn't actively really seeking to do stuff. I did do a, a cover for Val at one point because um, yeah. he let me do a re, sort of a remake of one of my favorite kids book ones, the Meteor Monsters one. Uh, so I did a cover for that. Um, but I kind of just didn't do much with it. And when it was at DC, I, I didn't bother them. I never said like, "Hey, I'm over here working on Grayson and Nightwing. Can I do He-Man?" I never said shit. I never did. Uh, but you know, I'd done the art book and. Um, you know, people, they know, DC knows my thing. Uh, in fact, Chris Conroy, the editor at DC, got a comp once of the uh, the omnibus of all the, you know, Rob uh, Rob's Eternity era stuff, you know, going back to the earliest versions of that. He sent, he sent it to me in the mail, uh, this giant book. So they know, they know. So when they were kicking around what to do after, you know, Rob wrapped the Eternity stuff and, um, and they were kind of, you know what's between this and and the cartoons um you know that's when they said well we kind of have this idea we don't know what it's going to be but we think it's going to be a crossover with injustice and i was like wait what so <laughs> and, you know and I, at first i was like i don't know what to do with that and then i had an idea i was like nope i gotta do it i gotta do it i do i have to so uh you know i threw away that whole i'm not going to do it as a jobby it's my hobby and i just did it and i'm i loved it and i don't regret it i had so much fun and well, I think what helps is all your work has been embraced. You know, sometimes I think of... Um, <laughs> I mean, He-Man fans are diverse crowds, so I don't know if they all embraced it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always felt uh, bad for uh, Ted Biaselli, not to go off on a tangent, but he, you know, he always got a lot of heat for uh, Masters of uh, the Universe Revelation, which I loved, by the way, you know? And, and this guy, is, oh, and Rob David, that's part of his baby too. And these guys were like, Fans, you know, I mean, and then, uh, you know, the daggers like toss yeah, at them. I always say, you know, you love Revelation. I love Revelation. That whole thing we talked about, this whole weird idea that that it's some kind of it has to be some kind of canon and and that you can't, you know, go against things. If you understand that it's not, how can you not just in, and see Revelations like, oh, this is them doing a really good version of a whole bunch of different ver of combination of Master Universe stories. And doing it well and serving all the things. Yeah, you know, I was, um, for a lot of us who were especially big fans of the Filmation cartoon, you know, I've been waiting for Tila to become the sorceress, right? This was yeah. a story that I, they even picked up in 2000X, but it was never concluded. And we never really got to see Tila become the sorceress. And this was a huge thread that's been left dangling since 83, I guess, right? Yeah. That's when, yeah, because that was like the second or third episode of Tila's Quest. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, so to finally have this picked up was just like fantastic for me. And um, for me, my my love has always been the Filmation show. I mean, I I love everything Motu, but that's like the where my fandom rests upon. Oh, yeah. And and, um, and pretty much this show stayed true to Filmation. Now it started chucking you know other stuff like from 2000X from the comics. You know there was so much in Filmation that wasn't explained that they kept yeah. just adding to the lore, adding to the lore. And um, yeah, but I just loved it. And 
I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent here, but yeah, I, um, absolutely. I appreciate it. I mean, I'm glad that that's the case. And I think, you know, the, I, I, well, this tangent is because you said embraced and, and, and I, yeah. I know that that's possible, uh, uh, across the board, but, but I do, you know, I think most of the people who passionately love mass universe get, you know, what a sort of special thing it is. What a, what a weirdly beautiful kind of combination of a whole bunch of weird elements, you know, that it's crazy that it's as successful as it is and, and that we still get it. I mean, you know, it's entirely possible that you could be in a position where the the stuff passed away, the toys never came back. I mean, yeah. that could easily happen, you know? I mean, uh, or and, and just to have like this level of commitment uh, and to make these I mean, a huge Netflix show, that's, that's amazing, you know? You know who didn't get that? Silverhawks, or you know, who didn't get that? You know, uh, uh, Micronauts, right? Like Micronauts, I've been waiting. They they announced that like years ago, an animated I series. If you see behind me here, I have Biotron. So so clearly, uh, uh, but I'm saying it, it's it's not it's not a sort of a massive pop culture phenomenon. You know, it's it's just not. You know. By the way, I love. I know I'm going to talk about Micronauts. I love that initial. Uh, 12 issue run. I forget his name who did okay. that. Uh, the one, Michael, there's a bunch of the eras of that comic. The, the initial one. Yeah. So, I mean, I know Mike Golden is kind of the famous one for the comic. I'm trying to think of who did the original stuff. Uh, it was so good, though. But, yeah. Um, it was amazing. Again, it was like that weird, you know, they let them just tie it all into the Marvel Universe. Yeah. <laughs> kind of things that never happen now. You'd never, you'd never do something like that now. <laughs> You know, and, and they were so good. I think he did Rom too. He did the same yeah. guy did uh, Micronauts and Rom, and both were cherished. And now they're stuck in some sort of legal thing where yeah. they can't even reprint them in any books. And yeah. you know, you just have to go chase the original issues, and it's always been frustrating. You would love this in a trade somewhere, but not such luck. Yeah, and it is that weird thing of they just there weren't as many lawyers back then. That's that's exactly right. too many lawyers now. And so <laughs> everything is slightly less enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 True. I, and talk about living the dream. Oh yeah. You're, yeah. <laughs> you're getting, you're getting a figure, right? I mean, Mattel announced they are making a he Skeletor origins figure based on your anti Eternia Keldor He-Man figure. Yeah, and you. how cool is that? Super cool. I mean, again, you know, that character obviously I built on the backs of a lot of other creators, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the creation of a bunch of different people. And, and so, you know, but yes, it's super awesome. And, you know, just the idea um, that he's called he Skeletor, which is so great. <laughs> and it's so perfectly, it sounds like something they would have done if they'd have released it in 1984 or something. So uh, yeah, I love it. I'm super, super jazzed about it. Uh, and, you know, I just got my frog monger and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, clearly I'm going to be in the line to, to pick this stuff up. Yeah. I would imagine you buy a few of those. So I buy a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. So before we go to issue one, um, I'm curious, art and writing, you've mastered both, right? Yeah. Do you have, do you have a preference? Uh, it depends on the day. Uh, I usually <laughs> like the other one when I hate the other one. That's usually the, the way it goes. Uh, but just, you know, I, I think um, if I had my dinners, I would sort of just write and draw my own thing. Uh, you know, I would do both. Um, it's hard to make that work timing-wise, especially in the way this 
this side of the business works, you know, the monthly comics business. Um, it just, it's just hard to make it do it. I've done it a few times, but not very often. Um, but I love collaborating. So, you know, like getting to just see pages come in when you write something or getting to read a script and interpret it when you're drawing is, is pretty cool. Um, but I, I mean, I guess I'm probably, a, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, you know, I probably, be, at this point, I'm probably a better writer, but sometimes it's just so nice. Drawing is sort of less technical in a weird way, or or it's like more technical, I guess. Maybe that's it. It Sometimes you can just zone out and draw. You can never, ever zone out and write, because if you do, it'll be soulless. You have to like be in there, and you have to like, if it doesn't hurt enough, you have to stab yourself, you know, so that you write it, and it hurts. Like, it's just such, it can be really taxing, and it, you know, sometimes I come downstairs after a day working in the studio, and I've been writing, and I'm like, why am I cranky? Oh, yeah, I, I wrote, like, a really angry story. Like, that's why I'm cranky. And that just never happens when you're drawing. Like, you might be like, oh, my hand hurts, I guess. Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've noticed, you know, I've always had some artistic skill, but I realized I never had the patience to do it properly because you really need to learn, especially with drawing humans and you could lecture me. Um, proportion is so important, you know, and the way you design the frame of the face and the bodies and the muscles. And I would just sit there and draw, you know, and of course I'm sure you'd be able to pick at it and say, look, the forearms in the wrong length and the elbow doesn't work that way, you know, and to the untrained eye, it looks pretty good, you know, but, uh, well, I don't even hear that much about anatomy. Honestly, I don't, <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of I'm on the Jack Kirby school or things where it's like as long as it feels right if it's energetic especially an action thing that's important that's all I care about I don't you know yeah be I'm I'm not a scientist it's not my job to lay out something that's biologically accurate you know like I'm just I'm there to make something that feels right and, and I, if I got to cheat to do it and I got to move a tricep where it don't belong then I'll be like okay <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of how I think about things as long as it's not distracting. But. I would look at like Frank Frazetta's work and I'd be like, oh my Lord. Yeah. You know? And he's superhuman. There's, there's, you know, none of us can do what that guy does. So. Yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. But All I right. mean, you know, I, I teach, I teach uh, art. You uh, do? Yeah. Uh, at Columbia College Chicago. And um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it, for me, the, the joy of teaching stuff is mostly that people always come up with better ideas of a way to present something than, you know, reality, right? That's like, if it's better than reality, then I don't give a shit. It's not, it's right. Now it's right. That's good. You know, it doesn't have to be accurate as long as it's right. That's, that's how I do it. You know, do you ever wish, this is a, going off on a tangent again, that, you know, you were a comic writer in the Gold, I'm going to say golden age, but I really shouldn't say golden age, but you know, it used to be such a more, Hmm. You could really get rich off it back in the day, oh, I guess is what I said. Right, yeah. Sure. For sure, sure. I mean, um, even when like Image, I think, first yeah. launched. That's when and, you could get rich on it. That that was the the nineties and the you know, if you had certain number of sales and there was a lot of you know, speculators buying stuff and there's also a lot of readers and, and it was a brief moment, but yeah, you could get ridiculously rich. Um, yeah, weren't they selling like millions of copies, you know? And yeah. And now it's still where there are millions of people reading it or there are people buying a thousand copies and putting them in a warehouse somewhere to thinking they would get rich someday. That's probably, um, there's probably a little bit of that or a lot of that going on. Um, 
you know, uh, I, it would have been nice to get a check for a hundred thousand dollars or something for one issue. That'd be lovely. But, uh, you know, I made it work for 20 some years. The key, I think we're in a good place now, uh, where there is a mixture of sort of the collectors and speculators. And then most people are readers. That's the best place to be. Uh, you know, that's why trade paperbacks work so well, the collections of things, because people read them. They're not, they're not sort of collectibles in the way that uh, monthly comics can be the sort of, you know, key collectors and the first appearances. And, and I think that's a completely important part of comics. Uh, it's saved yeah. us when like magazines got killed because magazines aren't collectible. You read them and toss them. They're just information and internet can beat you. So, right. Uh, yeah. And so we didn't suffer the way that, that other mediums did. And so, um, you know, it's a very important part of it, but, there are probably more people reading comics now reading than there have been since the fifties. Uh, wow. There are probably not as many people paying for comics right now as there were in the fifties. So. Yeah, that's unfortunate. It seems like they can run without any sort of interference, you know, sites like hosted in Russia or what have you. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. That's gotta be a little frustrating, you know, and some people don't realize that, um, if you're just obtaining these illegally that you're actually hurting the industry, you know? Yeah. And so we always talk about it this way. So I'll, I'll see, sometimes I'll go on one of those torrent sites and I'll see, and this has been going on for 15 years, so it's not new, right. but I'll right. go on one torrent site and I'll see my book when I just came out with, and let's say, I know it sold 25,000 copies from print, but I'll see the torrent on it. It'll be like 160,000. And I'll just like, look, I could let that paralyze me and, and make me just so fucking depressed. Or I can realize there's not a lot I can do about it, except be sort of ashamed that there are people that just steal shit and aren't expected to land in their laps. But some of those readers go on to buy the trade paperback, which happens, clearly, because I flash will, for instance, I'll sell, you know, however many versions in the store, and then I put out the trade and it sells more copies because some of those people who stole it went back and bought the trade. Now look, that's not a way to do business, but, uh, it is the way that we've been able to justify this for, for la at least the last decade, if not more. Hmm. Hmm. Did uh, did comic book sales actually the physical comic book sales drop with digital, or are people still just chasing him for the collector need? You know, to have that mint copy put away so it would increase in value. It didn't affect sales of print comics. Uh, okay. In fact, it seems to have helped, and maybe in the same way. I mean, it, the, the story I used to sort of, you know, illustrate this that I can experience was I went to a convention in Dubai uh, in the United Arab Emirates in 2015. Wow. Uh, you know, that was 11 years ago or whatever, 10 years ago. And um, the digital, like, comicsology was sort of nascent at the time. It had been around for a little bit, but, you know, not in the, the, the level it was. Well, now not anymore, but it was. And uh, uh, people would come up to me who were from countries that didn't have comic book stores. So, um, you know, for instance, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia does not have comic book stores uh, because they're a fairly restrictive uh, content, you know, country. But they would read it on Comicsology. They would read it on their, their tablet. And then they would come to a comic convention and they would ask me, what do you have of this? I'll take it all. Uh, I sold wow. comics at that place than I sold anyway. Military guys who were on a boat in the Gulf of, you know, 
the Gulf of, uh, or off the coast of Qatar or something, would come in and be like, hey, everybody on those ship is reading comics when we got nothing to do. I'll take this. And so it opened up huge venue that we didn't have. It kind of became like the 7-Eleven, right? It was the, the, it was the corner store that you could get comics on and then, and they were easy and accessible. And then you could go and if you wanted to buy the trade collection, you could go to your local comic book store. You could go to a specialty shop or order it on Amazon. Um, so it did not negatively affect our sales. In fact, it may have helped. Hmm. Well, that's a nice story then. Hmm. Yeah, nice story. Again, Amazon is kind of sort of throttled comicsology to sort of ring out what they could get of it. And it's not what it was. And, and yeah, that's a whole other question, but you know, I don't know how that'll affect things going forward. But. I don't know. My app isn't even working now. I have to read it on um, Kindle. Yeah, Kindle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's what they wanted it for. Right. So, yeah. All right, so let's finally discuss Masterverse issue one itself. And if you haven't read it yet, um, people who are listening and don't want it spoiled, I recommend wherever you're listening to this podcast, just press pause, go buy issue one, either physically or digitally. It's out today. Read it and then come back and hit resume button because spoilers are ahead and you have been warned. So, so Tim, we start out with the um, the sorcerers from Masters of the Universe Revelation, Universe Continuity, which I guess makes this issue technically a prequel because she's not dead and Triclops is not part of the motherboard and Evelyn is still Evelyn. Yeah. And our He-Man is new, just coming into his power. So this is a prequel? Yep. Yes? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Technically, that totally makes sense. Okay. Now, in the beginning of the comic, um, after defeating Skeletor, the sorceress says that so far, Adam has pro uh, proven himself as a wise choice to receive the power of He-Man. And when Adam lets the power return, sort of reluctantly, um, this starts the great debate between sorceress and her visitor, Sodak, regarding, you know, is Adam worthy? And will he be an absolute uh, force for good to balance out the force of evil? And I enjoyed this discussion, and it's a pretty neat approach for your connective tissue, your framing story um, of all these different, you know, gazing into the multiverse stories to judge the worthiness of He-Man. Now, you had mentioned before, though, about the Book of Job, and... Um, uh, I, I was raised a uh, born-again Christian. I'm not practicing, but um, for anyone at home that is not uh, familiar with that Bible chapter in the story, it's about a good Christian named Job where uh, everything good was happening in his life. You know, he had uh, great kids, great farm, great animals, great wife, and everything is going well. And in heaven, uh, God was so proud of Job you know, that he was such a good disciple of his. And then I think it was Satan that raised a good point. You know, he said, um, it's, it's easy to be a good disciple of God when everything is going great in your life. But the real test, the real test is adversity. You know, if bad things start happening in uh, Job's life, that'll be a true test of metal. You know, um, so so God, I think, and Satan kind of agree, which is weird, 
really strange, but to destroy Job's life, right. to test Job and see if he stays worthy. So I guess what you're saying here is He-Man is Job here in a way? Yeah, exactly. Yes. So the, the idea being that, um, and, and in kind of in the way that these, you know, the way we're playing Sorceress and, and Zodak is that they're sort of above this conventional sense of morality, which is obviously part of Masters because, you know, Zodak's story being, uh, he, he's a keeper of this sort of balance, right? He, he, he's not good. He's not evil. He's, he's kind of math. <laughs> and so kind of playing, you know, uh, this part of the story is, and we kind of put our, our He-Man through that is, you know, yes, he's good now. Adam is a good guy now, but what if this happened to him? What if he were in this kind of world? What, you know, and so that's kind of the framework that, that we're playing towards is, uh, and really kind of bouncing off that, that good old biblical story. Uh, and so this allows us, you know, what is He-Man like in this world where this has happened? And what is he like in this world? Uh, you know, it's kind of, it's a perfect loose exploratory uh, framework approach. I love that um, they can't look in the, uh, the future, right? Because it will alter the future. So yeah, or they're, yeah, or they're like if the future hasn't been decided, so it's not it won't be clear. It won't be a you know it won't be a, a, a an easy way to 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 get the information they want because that would be too easy. And I didn't want to do that. <laughs> it also made sense for mass numbers because they you know going back to even like the Star Comics story where uh, you know Adam uh, goes to the future where He Man's given up and and so that was kind of part of that story too is that he couldn't change the past you know so hmm. so yeah. It was just a continuity nerd thing for me. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the, the meat, you know, um, our first look, our first story into another universe is a, um, a bit of a horror story uh, called the curse of uh, Castle Grayskull, where it opens up in the dark half of Eternia. And we, uh, and we, we have a statue of uh, Pro, Pro, uh, Crustus. If I remember the four-armed uh, guard that lived in the uh, center of Eternia, Love which that I idea. think, yeah, he was like first seen in the mini comics. And then I think he became a figure in the classics. Yeah. I never got it, but I remember him being, yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, so Prince Adam is uh, wandering around in this abandoned city alone, you know, reluctant to use his power sword. And even when he's attacked by evil warriors like uh, Webstore and Batros. Um, but once Orko enters looking for Adam, uh, he draws the attention of Scareglow. And um, Adam finally relents and uses his power to save Orko. And he draws the sword and says, by the horror of Gray Skull, what? <laughs> I am the horror, and turns into a uh, Castle Gray Skull man. You know the. Uh, uh, I, well, everyone's read this by now because I told them to. But that rock golem walking Castle Gray Skull type person that um, I think is also a rare classics figure. Um. So okay, Tim, tell me about this. What, what what's behind this story? Uh, we just, I mean, part of it we wanted to do this, you know, again, we, we had this open sort of thing where we could use anything. And and one of the things we talked about is, you know, what if, uh, and, and going back to the the, the conversation bet uh, between Sorceress and Zodiac, so what if this power was so dangerous that he had? What if it didn't make you into a cool, handsome barbarian guy? What if it made him into this soul-sucking, um, you know, 
ghostly monster. Uh, and, you know, obviously he proves himself there because Adams only used it, uh, you know, because he he, he was going to use it to save himself. He would have used he was using it to save Orko. So, you know, it plays yeah. into a larger thing. But we just felt like it, there were there were so many parts of He-Man that are kind of, you know, cosmic horror, right? Like this sort of old gods thing, this love right. and power that like, you know, they call upon from the sky and, and Great Skull being this sort of, you know, this vessel for containing all these horrible secrets. Like it's this far from a Lovecraft story. And so, yeah. or, or Conan, right? Or like, a, or Conan and Love, uh, you know, Conan in the, in the mythos kind of stories, which they those do exist. So this was our chance to like, let's tell them a horror story. And, uh, you know, just all you got to do is lean it just a little different and it, and it plays. And then we thought, we can get Kelly Jones to draw this. The master <laughs> of drawing horror comics. Uh, and so, and he's a friend of mine and he and I worked together on Batman. So I knew I could get him to, him to do this. And so then it was like, okay, we've got Kelly. We've got a horror He-Man story. What do we want to see Kelly draw? And it's a horror master universe story. So we got to pick the, the ghost and goblin ghost guys, right? So we yeah. picked Batros and we picked Webstore and we picked Scareglow. And you get to see Kelly Jones draw those guys. And to me, that's worth the price of admission right there. I should have charged everybody another five bucks for this. Because <laughs> that is so cool. You know, and that's just like a crazy. So it's it's like having fun with it and doing Mass Universe. One of the things Rob and I always talk about is you can do different genres of Mass Universe, and it's proven by Spacing Man, right? Like, yeah. Just a little bit this direction, and you've got Flash Gordon, right? You've got uh, John Carter. And, and you know, obviously, you tilt it a little bit farther this direction, you've got Conan. And so, you know, just a little this way, and you've got a horror story. you got cosmic horror. Uh, and so, there you go. I'm a horror guy first, and so I had to draw, I had to write you a horror story. Well, I tell you, I loved it. And, um, you know, to your point, these these evil uh, warriors are, like, really versatile, right? And yeah. just like um, you were saying with Beastman, I mean, he, he's, he's um, comic relief in the filmation cartoon. You know, you push yeah. him a little this way, but he can easily fit uh within this horror framework yeah. and um and actually all these evil warriors can and you just start with uh skeletor but uh like web store and batros and so many and i really hope after reading this short story of yours that um motu storytelling um more comes out in this prism of the horror genre you know that it's really a beginning of a new trend because you know, I think it could be great with these characters. So, yeah, I love to do it. If everybody loves it, make sure you make a stink. But again, and I didn't create Graceful Man. That's a, a character that you know yeah. was a, a sort of fan creation, and he's so cool, and it's such a great toy. And speaking of classics figures that I kept, I kept that one. Okay. Uh, and so it was important to me, like, if we're going to use all these things, let's make sure we bring in people's contributions. I'm sure that they are going to be excited to see, you know, their stuff in this. And, um, you know, again, it allows us to explore something we haven't quite seen this all in, right? We've seen elements, right? We can do subternia, we can do ghost stuff, and we can do that kind of thing. But uh, what if we just like, you know, and even like I, we we're talking to Kelly, the world we see Adam in this world, like they dress sort of like they're in a Hammer horror movie. They've got like... They've got their costumes, but they've got like it's like a you know we're we're leaning into just this kind of Victorian I don't know sort of thing, and uh, it was so much fun. I just I love that story just about more than a damn thing I ever did. 
Yeah, and I love this use of Castle Grayskull, man, because I think in the bios he was like a spell, right? Cast back in the Great Wars to to save. Uh, He's like a the, defender, yeah, like a, yeah, like, like a column or something, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, you were mentioning um, Kelly Jones, and uh, yeah, he did a really great job. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Web Store, huge fan. Favorite um, vintage figure when I was a kid, and um, he's a good one. Yeah, of drawing this real scary web store when he was uh, spraying out uh, web out of his mouth on Adam's face, <laughs> and the way he was drawn, it was just so creepy. And then, and then the way you described the sound, you know, you said um, finger fingernails on slate, I think. Yeah, and and uh, ah, just gave a creepy vibe, man. So imagine if it was animated. Oh. I mean, let, maybe that's the thing we can do. We got those Star Wars visions that, you know, when they get people do their styles, like, you know, that would be, sure, let's do it. But now we've got comics, so comics, we can do any damn thing. So we got to make sure we utilize it the way we can, because it's it's a very easy to do crazy stuff in comics, you know. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So then our uh, second story, right? You take a left turn, and the, the second multiverse story is called... Um, he-man uh the lost and you take us back to that very first uh 19 i guess 1982 uh master of, uh, masters of the universe mini comic where it featured uh jungle he-man and his tribe and it's a very funny take and i love that you have um sergio doing the art here because do you remember mad magazine dude do i remember mad magazine <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid me for asking that. I have. I when I was a kid, I had so many Mad magazines and Crack magazines. I had this dresser, and the the bottom of the dresser fell out. That they the drawer that they were in. So yeah, I remember. <laughs> you know, I never bought Cracked. I was like, that's a knockoff. I only buy Mad. I, I got Cracked first, and then then someone told me that was the shitty knockoff. I I didn't know. It was pretty good though. Uh, it wasn't Mad, but it was pretty good. Yeah. But I used to love um, Sergio's cartoons in there, you know? Right. And Sergio's cartoons never took a long commitment. You could always go back, you know? They had like three or four panels and... Uh, Comedic genius, for sure. Yeah. I, actually, uh, one of his best um, comics was... Um, it was like three panels or four panels, and it was kids in an auditorium um, with all these mad magazines in their hands and, and, and there's a panel, like it's a comic convention and, and it says, you know, mad magazine and we're waiting for all these, uh, um, artists to come out. And then, uh, these kids are excited. They're all waiting to have it. And then when the artists come out, they're all in like walkers <laughs> and canes and they're all old and the kids are going, huh? <laughs> I guess, you know, here's these writers and artists and they're writing for, you know, like 10 year olds and they're all like in their fifties and sixties. <laughs> it's so great. Accurate too. Yeah. 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 Accurate too. But, um, so he was perfect for this story. And, um, I wrote this for him. This was, uh, this was not a pitch I had beforehand. Uh, this was, uh, Rob said, I think we can get Sergio to draw this. And I, and, I mean, one, I'm a huge fan. I grew up on Mad Magazine as much, you know, for me that, that that's one of the quadrants of comics that I grew up on, which is superheroes, horror, you know, uh, humor, and then the occasional er dirty erotic comic. Uh, <laughs> that was such a big part of my uh, my upbringing. And, and so I had met Sergio. Um, I did a signing with him 
uh, at Atlantis Fantasy World in um, in Santa Cruz, and uh, he was just one of the most delightful people. And I just I love him so much. And uh, my wife is uh, from Honduras, and Sergio is uh, a Spanish speaker. He grew up in Mexico, and uh, so they they got along. He still sang my wife a song, and so uh, so the chance to get to work with him, you know, on this was like I I didn't tell Rob this, but I owe him now big. Like he can just he can pretty much get anything he, he needed on me free if he needed. <laughs> I had to write a story for Sergio. Um, so it's I, like a bucket list item, right? But, it's a bucket list item. It is. It absolutely is. I mean, you know, yeah. you know like of things I could retire that after having done, this is, this is one of them. Uh, and so, you know, obviously to somebody, I, I could not get out of my head, grew the wanderer, which is Sergio's comic with Mark Avania. Yep. And so I, I was like, I'm going to do a kind of version of that. And of course, Barbarian He-Man had to be the, the person to star in that. Uh, <laughs> so it's a, it's a, yeah, like a direct sequel to those mini comics where uh, He-Man is a barbarian who comes down from the hills. Uh, he gets his armor from a goddess, uh, and he has to fight this demon who's invading. And uh, wackiness ensues. Is the yes the, our take on that? Because he's an idiot. That's the. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of things made me laugh in that. Um, like uh, Battle Cat always visualizing He Man as a food dish, like a He Man burger <laughs> or He Man bacon. <laughs> The only reason Battlecat follows He Man in this story is he wants to eat him. That's the only reason. They're not friends. He's not a pet. Not, he's not a loyal, you know, uh, you know, warrior that fights beside him. He just wants to eat him, and that's it. But it always had the hair, the, the iconic He Man hair. It was like bacon with the hair. Yeah. I had to describe that to Sergio. Is like, okay, so you know the Page Boy haircut he has. Can you put that on a hamburger? <laughs> <laughs> he executed it flawlessly <laughs> and even um at the end once they you know once he fed battle cat it was like the heart with the with the hair you yeah. know Imagine the, he, he, oh I, in my head battle cat doesn't see he-man as anything but just hair that's the only way he can, <laughs> like, he can uh, sort of differentiate him from anything else like a poke you know <laughs> or a rock it's like well does it have the hair it's he-man then yeah. <laughs> oh, that was great. Uh, I liked how He-Man got his name. You know, people would grunt at him and go, He-Man. <laughs> that joke had never been made. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> <laughs> or or, uh, or just when Skeletor says, uh, suck a fart, Eternia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, this story is so goofy, but uh, I'm pretty proud of it. And it's it's definitely... You know, again, if you're if a very hard view of what Masters of the Universe is, this one probably will make you mad. <laughs> <laughs> now, some of the um, the comedic uh, moments, I think, maybe only completely land as attended if you're familiar with the the lore, the history. You know, like um, what you were talking about before when uh, Battle Cat chases uh, He Man as a food source. They collide, fall off a cliff, accidentally defeat that same shaggy beast that, you know, Barbarian He Man saved the sorcerer's goddess from in the original 80s mini comic. So, um, and these were great gags, but did you, were you at all concerned that some of this was too um, inside baseball, I guess, to use that metaphor for casual yeah, fan readers? But I also sort of this, I was able to test this one on my wife. Like, 
You don't okay. have to know that that monster is the one from the, you know, you just know that he saves her and she gives him stuff. Like, that's all you need to know. And so, yeah. you know, um, I think you, you you can get by with cursory information. You'll get by more if you know a little bit of the lore stuff. But obviously, like, the thing where, you know, all the vehicles and stuff, um, you know, that yeah, it, it's it's kind of part of, like, I think some of the stuff you... You can read you can read it as sort of just like this is just a, a silly joke, or you can read it as oh this this is a little commentary on this if I understood it. Um, but, you know, hopefully it, it lands at least a little bit both. It made my wife laugh, so I, I felt like it was probably okay. Good. Oh, uh, and those um, still stalkers. Yeah. <laughs> it was so yeah, yeah. funny to see those. You know, and that is just extra funny because I know they exist. You yeah. know, but, yeah, they're, they're like. They don't remain. I mean, again, it's a fun toy. Uh, in the real world, uh, stilts that you have guns on would, <laughs> would not be super useful in any way. But, uh, you know, that was why that was part of that joke. And, you know, what's funny about this, too, is um, so Sergio knew what Master Universe was, but obviously yeah. doesn't know it was stilt stalkers or shit. So, <laughs> So I would, I was sending him all this stuff. I would, I would like go online and I would take pictures of my toys and I'd send him all these labels and stuff. And I, I'd have, I mean, like I'm sending Sergio Argonis pictures of like of you know, the Wind Raider and Battle Ram and, and Stiltstalker and, and all this stuff. And uh, yeah, what a weird, what a weird job this is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it just made me laugh that much more. <clears throat> knowing they existed so that was great yeah and I, you know again uh i i imagine of shit i will get i will take this will be the one i take the shit for but i will know that it is it is with a legendary cartoonist and that is all that matters and he did he had a good time with it he made something amazing and you know that that we've got sergio argonis contributing to master universe lore is like that is that is some great stuff right there so i'm i'm happy that that's the case and uh, if you like a good laugh, this one's for you. Yeah, that's interesting. You just suggesting that if you're going to take shit, it's going to be on this. And I guess I can see your point. Um, because with these two stories, um, yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, we, we shift right back to Sorceress and Zodak at the end, right? And I'll get to my point in a second. And there, there's a big tonal shift between this horror and this comedy and it makes me laugh because sorcerers and zodak should be uh cracking up laughing after looking into this last universe where he-man and skeletor end up playing video games yet they remain super serious <laughs> and <laughs> that's kind of funny yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i could see people you know getting like little because the tone shift is so, you know what it reminded me of? Um, do you remember the early 80s uh, animated film, Heavy Metal? I you used do. to play Heavy Metal. <laughs> so, okay. So, yeah. Well, uh, for anyone listening who isn't uh, aware, it was an animated sci-fi fantasy anthology film, you know, yeah. another anthology story that was made strictly for adults. And I mean that everyone strictly for adults no kids allowed it's a hardcore r rating um and it had a framing story where this uh space orb was showing a young girl 
all these stories, how it influenced the universe. And even when like the story changed, like from this horrific world war to B 17 bomber zombie nightmare to a comedic, a uh, story with aliens snorting space cocaine. Yeah, Captain Stern. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like vacuum cleaners. Uh, this little girl in this framework keeps her composure and keeps watching these stories with horror. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting idea. Like, if I had had them react and critique the story, would it have been weirder? Like, because the point is sort of just to see. That's funny that I didn't. You know, I didn't think to come back to them and have Zodak be like, eh. <laughs> I mean, that would have been interesting. Uh, I, I, you're, you're playing video games now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it might be funny if you cracked a joke, but do you know what? I I can appreciate that, but I guess just to circle back on saying where you might uh, take the most shit, then I guess I can see that coming from different aspects, right? Well, I mean, there's a thing I, though I've noticed about Zoom anthologies can be a, a tough game because not ever not everybody sort of gets um, that there are different styles that you know so, some people don't understand sort of that just because something is simplified it's not good like they they think that you you pay for the amount of lines on paper I think they, you know they they think like or that, that it has to be close to a photograph to be good which I am the opposite the closer it is to a photograph usually the more bored I am I don't I don't. I wanted to be realistic. I'd take a picture. So, right. for me, you know, that's and I guess that's the correct sort of artistic view of things. But I understand that not everybody would come from that. So they might think like, you know, it's sim- it's simplified. It's cartoony. It must not be good. But this is one of the best cartoons on the planet of Earth. So yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so I'm, I know. I've seen that. I think I saw a little of that criticism with one of the variant covers for issue one, which was done by Sergio. Yeah. And they're like, this artwork is awful. And I'm like, you don't get it, you know? But yeah. uh, maybe if they saw it in the context of a com- a comedy magazine, like, you know, Mad Magazine, um, everyone loved it there, you know? So maybe it's the... I mean, they'll love it when they read it. They just have to, you know, it just that sort of... I, I know I'm going to... There's going to be some amount of just, like, people don't get it. And then just... Yeah. I just need you to try to get it because that's how, you know, this is, this is how that works. So, um, mm. I, you know, again, like, just getting to put those two stories together and I, they have the thematics thing like you say because of the way that uh Sorcerers and zodak are talking about them but um you know obviously they're also meant to be unique individual weird stories <laughs> that you get to enjoy uh by some amazing amazing cartoonists yeah oh, i i really enjoyed it so and um so and that leads me to so after this issue that's out today uh, there are three more issues of uh, Masterverse comics to follow. But have you created a path where if these Masterverse comics are widely successful, you can continue beyond its four initial issues? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, oh, yes. In fact, I mean, the last story, but it's practically begging for a continuation. So, uh, uh, you know, that's the ideal. That would be... What I would I would like to do this for the next five years. That's what I would like. So uh, I hope everybody you know likes it and, and talks about it and spreads the word. Um, you know, I think Master Universe is kind of going through a really good spot right now. The toys are out. We're waiting for Revolution. We have Revelation. We have the kids' cartoon, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got you know 
the comics that Tim did that are, are set in the Revolution, Revelation universe. So this is a great time for Master Universe, and I hope that kind of connects uh, and people just want more Master Universe stories and all kinds of different stuff. Yeah, I think I think this is going to land well. I mean, people are just their fandom is rejuvenated, you know, and it started with I think Revelation and the the kids cartoon, and there's so many people that um, have jumped back in the fandom, you know, um, feet first, and um, I, I think I, I think it's it's maybe the best I've ever seen it since the initial you know 80s the initial launch would you agree with that yeah oh yeah i would yeah you know and i i think uh it's actually i think it's kind of better in some ways because of the quality of the different kinds of stories the kids story is you know different approach and mm -hmm. it's just as good which is you know like sitting down to watch uh the the netflix cgi one and just being like it's so funny and the characterizations are so good and yes, I know it's 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 the kids one and has a different. It's got more of a sort of um, Japanese influence because of manga and anime. It's got less of the sort of barbarian stuff, um, but the characterizations are so good. And that one scene where it's my favorite scene in any He-Man thing ever is uh, the one where He-Man Skeletor are, are sort of need to keep moving because they're in this trap and this thing. So they do this dance together. They do like a uh, like this, you know, <laughs> like I don't know. Uh, really elaborate sort of dance around each other and they want to fight the entire time they have to dance. <laughs> it's so funny, but it's also so tense and it's also really, they're in character. Like the, you know, the characterizations of, of that show is just unreal. So. And you got to think we also have She-Ra, the live action series that Amazon is working on um, as we speak. You know, they, yeah. they have a nice cartoon. The, the Andy Stevenson led one is incredible. Yeah. It's an amazing cartoon. Uh, yep. Three seasons, some of the best Masters of the Universe content. My, I watch it with my kid. She loves it. Uh, you know, I, I agree. I think we're just we're in a great spot and new interpretations that are, you know, loyal to aspects of the old one. They don't sort of ruin or overwrite the old stuff, so you can still enjoy that stuff. Um, you know, and in the end, it's all about real cool toys, right? That's that's what we're doing here, and uh, and I think that we've got that. By yourselves and mine, we've got that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. To my wife's chagrin, yes. <laughs> yes. So, um, so well said. So, I I really enjoyed this first issue, Tim, and uh, I look forward to seeing where it goes. And um, I recommend all the Masters of the Universe fans out there to check it out if you haven't already. Now, before we close out this episode, Tim, do you have anything else you would like to add that we haven't covered about Masterverse Comics or anything in general or anything you'd like to plug? Uh, I mean, you know, hey, I've got all kinds of other stuff I do. Happy to, uh, to have you check it out. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Hack and Tim Seeley. I'm also on Instagram at Tim Seeley. Uh, I post a lot of art. I have some Master Universe stuff on both of those things and then just other assorted stuff uh, so happy to share uh and again i go to a lot of conventions so you know if you want to stop by and chat he-man that is one of my favorite things to do and you do art commissions too right I do, yes uh in fact i have a big pile i need to do now <laughs> so you need to go this is gonna take me weeks uh off the, you know. <laughs> well 
<laughs> well, fortunately, we're done. So you could get uh, on that. And uh, all right. So so that's a wrap all. Uh, we want to thank Tim very much for uh, joining us today. And uh, you've been an absolute pleasure. So I appreciate it. And uh, I'd also like to thank Dark Horse and Mattel for helping us make this episode a reality. And, uh, and I would like to thank our wonderful community out there for listening and watching this podcast. Now, if you enjoy this show, um, please show us your support by liking and subscribing to our streams. You can always drop us a line by sending us an email to fourturnia at gmail.com. We do love the feedback. And as always, please visit us at fourturnia.com for all the latest updates and news, as well as links to our social media pages like Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram that can help you stay up to date with all the masters of the universe, revelation, revolution, and Tim's Masterverse Comics content. So that's it. Thank you again, Tim. And uh, you're, you're a great host. You know your stuff, uh, and you're also engaging by your, by yourself. So it was great talking to you. I appreciate that. So, and thank you all again for listening. And let the power return. We'll see you next time.